0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's edition of our Seven Investing Podcast, where it's our mission to empower you to invest in your future. You can learn more about our long-term investing approach and actually see our actual stock recommendations for just one dollar for your first week at seveninvesting.com/slash subscribe. My name is Simon Erickson. Today we're going to be chatting about climate change. This is a hot topic. It's a political topic, and it's one that has implications for investors. I'm very excited to welcome Stephen Rothstein to the program today. Stephen's the Managing Director for the Series Accelerator, Uh, joining me from his office up in Massachusetts. Stephen, welcome to the 7 Investing
1: Podcast. Glad to have you here today. Thank you, Simon. It's great to be with you and your listeners.
0: Stephen, I'm going to read the description of uh, your company and what you all do, and maybe you can break that down in layman's terms for me. But you are the Managing Director for the Series Accelerator and Sustainable Capital Markets. You're engaging financial regulators, banks, and other financial institutions, insurers, investors corporate boards and policymakers to address climate as a systemic financial risk. Uh, That's quite a mouthful. Can you break it down for me, the goals of your organization and how you got into this?
1: Sure. So market actors, um, investors, banks, insurers, their jobs to think about risks and opportunities in their business. Um, We feel that market actors and regulators have not been sufficiently thinking about the climate risks and opportunities. There is, for example, if you look at balance sheets of the businesses today, there is more risk on corporate balance sheets because of climate risk today uh, than there was in 08 because of subprime housing, more risk. Um, There's a lot that's being done. There are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of companies doing great work, trying to, again, not just because it's good for the environment, because it's good for their bottom line. It's good. Their employees want it. Their investors are wanting it. Um, and there's a lot that regulators are doing. Just just a few days ago, we released a scorecard of federal financial regulators like the Federal Reserve and SEC about what they're doing on these issues. So we think that fundamentally, climate risk is financial risk. Financial risk is climate risk. And we want all actors, both in the private and public sector, to address that.
0: I do want to talk a little bit about that scorecard in a minute. I want to talk about kind of the voluntary actions and the programs Larger corporations kind of have in place for this, but first, let's can we dig a little bit deeper into what climate risk means? How do you quantify that? Is that litigation? Is that potential lawsuits? What are the risks that are sitting on these companies uh, that we're not yeah. maybe not paying enough attention to right now?
1: So there's three things. First is physical risk: uh, fires, floods, droughts. Um, just last week, there were uh, uh, enormous rains in the Northeast. Uh, recently, there's been Uh, flooding in other parts, or there's been hurricanes or uh, not enough rain so that businesses can't uh, hook up their plants. So for example, out west, in many states, there are companies that can't get a building permit because they can't get a water permit. Now, is that a business risk? Absolutely. Is it a climate risk? Absolutely. So physical risk issues is group one. Second is transition risk. The big automobile companies are all converting to EVs. That means there are hundreds of companies selling fan belts and spark plugs and other things that go in internal combustion engines that won't be sold in a decade or so. So how are those companies? So transition of the economy. Um, third are uh, litigation or regulatory risks as well. So there are a variety of these risks and depending on your perspective of both climate regulation, um, uh, uh, changes in policy uh, can affect you know how much Literally trillions of dollars we're talking
0: about. Let's double click on that one. Let's talk about the regulatory risks. I'm certain that it's different depending on where you are. Whether you're a power provider in California or you're an oil and gas provider in Norway, Uh, there certainly are regulatory, um, you know, regulations you need to abide by. I believe that you follow most closely the United States and Europe. Can you talk a little bit about the framework that's generally in place that companies have to follow by the letter of the law?
1: So. First is there are many countries around the world that have said in their policy, the G20, for example, that climate risk is financial risk. And their regulators, the equivalent of our Federal Reserve and SEC, have instituted uh, rules. In some cases, their disclosure rules, just saying you have to disclose what you're doing. In others, it affects actual actions that they're doing um, as part of that. So there's a variety of those. And just uh, at the end of June, a group called the International Sustainability Standards Board came out with a draft rule that, that they're now going to countries. It could be in the next several years, 100, 150 companies may have, countries have, have implemented that. So there are many countries that are further ahead US and the regulatory issues are both risks and, and opportunities. Meaning if you're a leading company and you're already disclosing, then having a disclosure rule will give you a competitive advantage. So all of these things are risks and opportunities. Climate's a risk. You know, we had NOAA said, the, the, uh, the federal government said that we had $165 billion of economic loss last year because of floods, fires, tornadoes, things like that. 165 billion, that's grown over the decades. On the other side, we have opportunities like the Inflation Reduction Act and other things that are stimulating the market. And today, this year, for the first time, uh, banks are lending more money in renewables than they were in fossil fuel. So there's a new, there's literally trillions of dollars of growth opportunities in those areas.
0: And how are the report cards being graded? Uh, who is who's keeping score? Who's actually doing the measurements? Uh, how are companies disclosing these things to make sure they are compliant with those regulations?
1: So right now, ninety two percent of the largest companies, Fortune five hundred, have some kind of climate disclosure but they're voluntary systems. So it's somewhat of an apples and oranges. They may not all be comparing the same things. So the Securities and Exchange Commission is considering, and they got 15,000 comments, overwhelming support, but not unanimous, a a broad feeling, about a mandatory climate disclosure. So right now there is no consistent climate disclosure for companies in the United States across sectors. There is for insurance, there are for some other sectors. Um, There are in many other countries, in Europe, UK, other places where they do have mandatory disclosure now. Um, but that's really important. Uh, and we fundamentally believe, Series believes, in the free market, but the market only works with good information. So if I'm a customer or if I want to be an employee or an investor, I, I want to be able to know what my the company that I want to work for or invest in or something, buy products from, is doing on climate issues.
0: That's super important for us. It would be right up there with a the PE ratio or the uh, revenue or earnings growth of a company right alongside that, maybe how its scorecard looks in, uh, in concerning climate-related risks. Um, one of your projects you have is what you're calling the freedom to invest responsibly, which would actually be to introduce some of those leg- legislative requirements um, in certain states and in Congress. How are you all pursuing this? How are you going about this?
1: So um, there is, in some places, um, an anti-ESG message where some legislators are saying that uh, that they're passing bills or talking about legislation that would restrict the market. We fundamentally believe in the marketplace, as I said, and that, that investors, whether it be an individual thinking about their 401k or an institutional investor with billions or trillions or a company, they know what's best if they have good information, and that they should have the right and responsibility to invest and think about the risks, whether it be inflation, pandemic, what's happening in the Ukraine or climate and the opportunities. We, we oppose legislation that would ban, that would block, that would interfere with the marketplace. Um, so that's on one piece of it. But then we're also working with regulators to institute more rules that would, again, share more information like the SEC on climate disclosure, again, because that's a financial risk, just as the SEC, it's now on its 90th anniversary, by the way, had a, um, decades ago, they started financial reporting. So you anyone can go online and look at uh, their audited statements from the public companies, um, but you can't do that in climate and it's projected to have enormous risk. So we're, we're working on those areas. We also just published a scorecard of federal financial regulators and how they're making progress.
0: Are there certain sectors where this is super important, Stephen? Are there certain uh, industries, whether it's power production, whether it's chemicals, whether it's, you know, oil and gas, whatever? Are there are there certain sectors of the economy that are really going to move the needle on the efforts you're trying to make there?
1: Yeah, great, great question. Thank you, Simon. Great question. Um, so there's a group, the Sustainability um, SASB, uh, the, the Sustainability Board, um, they've identified that 72 of 79 sectors are dramatically affected by climate, but clearly the ones that you mentioned in terms of oil and gas, electric utilities, heavy industry, agriculture, real estate, those have the biggest impact. So they almost all do, but uh, those have the biggest ones.
0: And knowing that it is still kind of this voluntary self-disclosure, you know, there's not a a huge overarching regulation for, for a lot of these disclosures. Is there a way that as investors, we can size up companies that are doing that well? Is there a way to know who are the A students and who are the F students in the class when it comes to climate risks?
1: Um, so you can go online. And uh, <laughs> first, is you. If, if these companies are in Europe or in Asia, they're public reports for that. In terms of the US, um, with, with a few exceptions, like the insurance industry and stuff like that, there is no way to look at them comparatively. But if you go online and dig around, you can usually find a climate report on their website or in some of their filings. And then you you just have to compare them because they may be in different formats or one might be looking at water use and one might be looking at CO2 use or things like that. So it's hard to compare those. I mean, as a general rule, um, more of the technology companies are investing in more of these, but then the companies that are using natural resources, like a lot of food companies that use biodiversity and water and farmland, they understand the future. I mean, we're running out of water. We either have too much water in some places or not enough. So they're working on those as well. So there are more and more companies. There's some great examples and great leadership. The marketplace is moving. Also, investors are moving. About 60 investors representing $60 trillion of assets have made net zero commitments. Um, Some are happening now. Some are going to happen over time. So those um, those are also moving in exciting ways.
0: Yeah, it's certainly interesting. Something we've seen uh, firsthand here has been corporate data centers or cloud data centers. Yes. You know, comp- computing required for the servers for these is astronomical, at least compared to what it was 10 years ago. And so many of them are actually uh, you know, addressing it in a responsible manner of, yeah, we want power efficiency, not just because it saves on operating costs on the bottom line, but it's also got uh, environmental impacts for this as well. Certainly the climate, yeah.
1: Yes, yes, uh, exactly. I-
0: and in addition to the companies, Stephen, you know, I know I know that you also have just released um, the what you're calling the third climate risk scorecard, uh, which is not covering the companies but the regulators, the SEC, the Fed, the Treasury, the others, and kind of the uh, the climate-related financial risks that that they're trying to regulate in the first place. Can you tell us a little bit about that effort? What you want to achieve from it?
1: Sure. So in the United States, some countries have one regulator, like a Fed, that does everything. They do these. Sec- banking, securities, SEC work, insurance, et cetera. We have many different regulators. So we have a new scorecard. Oh, it's on our website, Ceres, CERS.org. And if you go to the financial regulator um, and um, uh, it looks at the 10 financial regulators and how they're doing. I, and it's all very fact-based. What we've identified is in the last, this is our third annual one, that in the last year, they've done a hundred specific actions. Again, these are not They don't do them because they're good for the environment. The Federal Reserve, that's not their mission. Their mission is the safety and soundness of banks. So this is all a recognition that climate is a significant risk factor for banks, and they need to consider it. So there is great progress made. Not enough, not as much as other countries, and to be honest, not as much as what Mother Nature is requiring.
0: And I think my final question is, is the other countries' piece of that, the international question, right? You mentioned the physical risks, the transition risks, the regulatory risks. Certainly, those are at least home court bias, easy for us to understand in America and Europe and developed markets. Uh, when we start looking at investing internationally in other countries like China, developed markets in Africa, places like this, are they raising the bar also on their regulatory agencies? Are they also addressing climate in the same way? That the US and Europe are or do you think that there's still quite a gap there uh, in catching up with with disclosures and things like that
1: uh, there's a wide range there are countries that are way ahead of us you know some in Europe started climate disclosure for example in 2016 so we you know our country is debating it now others have been doing it for eight or nine seven or eight years um, and then there are others that are further behind but if you look at the the arc of history we are moving to more recognition that climate is a financial risk. And like any business management, you can't manage a problem if you can't measure a problem. Um, And so there is more agreement about having a consistent way to disclose this.
0: Well, thanks again, Stephen. Once again, Stephen Rothstein, the Managing Director of the Series Accelerator for Sustainable Capital Markets, joining us from Massachusetts. Really appreciate you being a part of the podcast here today, Stephen.
1: Thank you so much. And again, for you or any of your listeners, if they have questions, they go to series.org, C-E-R-E-S.org. There's a lot of information there and love to talk to anybody.
0: Great disclosure. Great topic. Uh, thanks very much for the time, Stephen. And thanks everybody for listening to this edition of our 7 Investing Podcast. We're here to empower you to invest in your
1: future. We are 7 Investing. Have a great week.